I want to take a minute to tell everyone about the app that helps make this show possible. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Most importantly, it's free. I always got to lead with that. If you're new to podcasting and feel a little intimidated by the whole process, Anchor doesn't charge you a dime to set up an account, so it's a great app to use while you get your feet wet. You also don't have to be an audio engineer to produce your own show. Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your own phone, tablet, or computer. You can do it anywhere. You can do it in your bedroom, fit into your closet if you can, go into a garage. You don't always have to have a fancy studio to uh, make a podcast happen. You really just need something you're passionate about and a chance to click record. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Music, Spreaker, Overcast, and many other platforms. You don't have to go log into each account and submit an RSS feed. Anchor takes care of that for you. Not only is Anchor free, but you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I've been doing this show for 10 months and I've already been able to quit full time at my day job and just work part time. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one easy to use place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Remember, that's Anchor, 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 like from a boat. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode seven of Cake and Conversation. I'm your host, Jay Vite, and this week's guest is the first author I've got to sit down and talk and share dessert with on this show. Her name's Kelsey Harris Dyke, and she's published short stories and poetry that you can find on Amazon. She made it easy for me as far as the dessert situation went. She only had two concrete rules for me to follow it's got to be chocolate and it can't be cheesecake. I used my local Kroger for the goods and had it narrowed down to two options, one being extreme chocolate brownies sold as a four pack and the other being chocolate pudding cake, which sounded interesting to me. You're not used to those two combinations, like a pudding and cake going together. Um, after double checking the cake and conversation production budget and moving some numbers around, I decided to go ahead spring for both. My repeat listeners have heard me mention my buddy DJ's podcast called Poor Behavior. His schedule lined up with Kelsey and I's schedule, so I got to bring him along for the ride. So it was better to have too much chocolate rather than not enough anyway. Plus, we eventually use it as a bargaining tool, essentially. So we recorded at a bubble tea store called New Ice and Drinks off of Westheimer and Fountainview in Houston. It was nice for me. Um, right now, I live in Angleton, but for the longest time, for five or six years, I lived in that area off of Westheimer kind of the Galleria area. So it was nice to be back in that neighborhood and those surroundings. It's a different energy from being in a small town. But the sound quality, it isn't the best because of the background music in the store, but I'm still really proud of this episode. And we had an awesome time talking and hanging out. Honestly, I should have recorded a little longer because after we stopped recording, the energy got a lot more comfortable. We all kind of sat around for another hour or so just talking and sharing more stories. Her sister eventually showed up, so I kind of got a little insight into how close Kelsey is with her family. You'll find out during the conversation that Kelsey's one of 16 children in her family, and I find that dynamic really fascinating because my immediate family is considerably smaller than that. 
I don't want to spoil too much, but you'll find out Kelsey's reaction to the final season of Game of Thrones. All I'll say is that she changed her career because of it. I haven't seen the show myself, but obviously a lot of people have. So I guess you can understand the importance. It must have been a really terrible ending. Because yeah, she quit her job. I can relate to Kelsey a lot because of my love for writing as well and my tendency to prefer short stories and poetry rather than long ones. Also, my interest in psychology. I noticed with her, she's very observant of her surroundings and she pays close attention to people's mannerisms, their body language, and overall energy. I found it very interesting that she considers herself an introvert also, being that she comes from such a huge family. I was surprised to hear why also. I was honored and in awe to get to record with a published author and she's definitely and quickly become a huge inspiration for me. Kelsey posts daily stories that you can find on her website, areadersdream.com. You don't need to sign up or pay. She just loves sharing the content with anyone and everyone who's willing to read them. You can find her Amazon link also on her website for her publications and you can find audio versions of her daily stories. She also records them and puts them on her website. Her writing style, it leaves the reader, at least using her daily blogs, it leaves the reader wanting more. She kind of leaves it always on a cliffhanger. So it gives you a chance to use your imagination as well. She always finds a good way to end each little daily entry. Um, I visit her website daily now that I found out about her. And it was because of Bash Williams, who I've had on the show before and who introduced me to some other people. Yeah, it was because of him. He was the bridge between Kelsey and I getting to meet. He also created and designed the logo for my Astros-based podcast that I'm producing very soon called The Astro Brat. Bash helped me out with that. So thanks again to Bash for all of his help. Thanks to DJ for tagging along with me to this recording. And thanks to Kelsey for being the guest on this week's episode of Cake and Conversation. So, uh, chocolate, just no specific with chocolate, just anything chocolate. Anything chocolate. Anything chocolate. Was it always just growing up that was your go-to? Yes. Even yeah. as a little kid, chocolate cake? Yep. No Skittles, no Starburst. I didn't want fruit, just chocolate. Chocolate. So, uh, one of the first things I found out, you're the youngest of 16. That's, I mean, it sticks out. How did it, what was it like growing up, you know, 16 brothers and sisters, 15 other brothers and sisters? Uh, it was a lot. There was a lot of stuff going on all the time. Never a dull moment. Our family was real is really close, so there's always a family function going on. It's always somebody's birthday for sure. Weddings, pregnancies, anything. It's always just something. And your mom popped them out back to back to back or what? Uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. The youngest five. I mean, I'm 32, 33, 34, 35, 36. Okay. She just Irish twins. Over. It's called Irish twins when you go back to back like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're just real close. Uh, what was your dad doing for work then? I'm uh, assuming your mom wasn't able to do too much work. No, actually, you know. actually, on the contrary, my mom is a nurse. Okay. And she's a dialysis nurse. And uh, she, as soon as she got out of high school, she went to some Catholic school and um, immediately went to the Catholic nursing school. And my father was in the Navy. and Military. Yeah. That's interesting because a lot of the people I've sat down with, one random like common thread is older, like older generation parents or grandparents have been military. I thought that was interesting. But sorry, what were you saying? No, um, uh, Navy. Yeah, my father was in the Navy. My mom was a nurse. And actually, my mom was the one now working, and my dad stayed at home with the kids. Oh, reverse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ahead of the game. Yeah. 
I wrote down, I was making notes. I was like, is your family Catholic? I didn't know. I was hoping that it wasn't like a bad joke or something. No, it was like 16 no, kids, no, Catholic family. No, they, they, they were that my parents were Catholic. Um, neither one practiced Catholicism anymore or anyone else in my family. Uh, that was just a... What do you go? You say agnostic or atheist or what's your... Uh, it's religious, yeah. I'm... I'm um, spiritual. About spiritual. Spiritual. That works. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Not religious. Okay. I'm spiritual. Yes. Spiritual. I like that too. With energy and vibes and yes, stuff like that's that. Yes, that's the one. Uh, so Northwest. It was Northwest Arkansas. Was Northwest where you raised. Arkansas. How long were you there before you moved to Houston? Um, I was 20. Oh, so you grew up, grew up there, graduated yeah. high school, and everything. Oh yeah, I was 20 when I moved to Houston. You yeah. did um, college in Arkansas too, or did you I wait till you got the down here? University of Arkansas, my freshman year of college. Wonderful and beautiful. Uh, but then, uh, you know, my freshman year, I was on campus where all my other brothers and sisters had went, and it's beautiful and wonderful. And I just kind of had this weird feeling that, although it's beautiful and wonderful, there wasn't anything else. Like nobody else wanted to do anything. Branch out at all? Like yeah. I don't know. I just I I wanted to try something different. So you came down here by yourself? I did. I absolutely did. Well, actually, I was 20, and um, I was dating a a guy in the army and I said hey um, I want to go to Houston when I'm you know right now so when you get back from your deployment why don't we get married and let's move to Houston and he said okay because there was a UTI down here so we moved here he went to UTI and we lived here for a year and I loved it he hated it <laughs> so after a year he after he graduated UTI we went back to Arkansas and um, against my what I wanted to do but we went back to Arkansas and about eight months later I came back yeah. I said, so at this point, I was 20, 22, and I said, I got to know. Houston's where it's at. Back to the city. I got to get back. So Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of everything here. It's very diverse and a lot of different cultures. So yes. even if you're away from home, you could probably find a spot somewhere that reminds you of home a little mm -hmm. bit, whether it be in the city or out in the suburbs. Or... Oh, yeah. So let's see. Um, when you were young, uh, when I started writing, I remember it was fourth grade specifically when they separated. We had a writing class, a math class, and an English class. So that was the first time it was separate for me. And I just took to writing. I would involve like my classmates. And it would always be like either a horror story or something scary where we walk into a haunted house and they all die off. But um, yeah, fourth grade for me was when I, I got the love for writing. When did you realize you had a talent for it or you enjoyed it? Even though you didn't know if you were talented or not, you just sat down and would write. Um, I remember, I never thought that I had any talent in it at all. Um, but I remember being about 10 years old and my teacher told uh, the whole, all the students to write a story. And when we were done writing a story, we would read it to the class. And all the students were writing about cats and dogs and their moms and dads. And yeah. honestly, I couldn't even tell you what I wrote about. But I'm reading a story to my class at 10 years old. And I look up at my teacher and she's got this like deer in the headlights look like. <laughs> and as a child, I thought that she didn't like it. I was like, oh, she hated my story. And, you know, and then I got older and I wrote more stories and more people were giving me that look like, mm. And again, I thought they didn't like it. But then one day it really hit me that, no, it wasn't that they didn't like it. I think that they were shocked. They were I think that Yeah, I think they're like, I can't believe that you were writing like this and saying things like this. Uh, so I just... Were you a reader from a young age then also? I feel like that goes hand in hand a lot. People usually read first and then develop the talent to write. Hmm. Um, there wasn't like a boxcar children book series or something that you remember. Well, I remember, Berenstein of course, Bears. Harry Potter. Harry Potter oh, was my biggest, my biggest, uh, biggest 
J.K. Rowling was fantastic. And I read that from elementary school all the way up until high school. I was the one like waiting at Walmart until midnight, like waiting for that Harry Potter book to come. I'm joking. I loved it. She created, J.K. Rowling created a beautiful like world for all of us to just enjoy um, amongst through the, the, things that she was going through on the side that nobody even knew about yeah. but anyway um, that could have been an escape for her then she yeah. had to create this world yeah. that's another thing as a quick aside there's no more you don't have book releases i don't or maybe not to that extent or i don't you don't i don't hear about them as much like i'm not waiting out till midnight outside of a barnes and noble or a walmart for a book i don't like everything's audio or i mean when's the last time you waited outside for a book yeah, uh, the last you don't hear about that i mean people binge watch shows now or make events out of that mm-hmm. where, uh, so you've always kind of you were you'd like to write growing up did you ever do like poetry like going to coffee shops and read poetry nope. or a lot of your writing was kept to yourself uh yeah i um i just wrote a little bit throughout the years like i didn't i knew when i okay i didn't really know that i really wanted to do that until i turned about 20. i was having a conversation with somebody and they were like well so-and-so's writing and I was like, we're writing. And then someone else had said, um, you know, find what you're good at and then learn how to make money at it. Yeah. That's where literally find a way, find what you're good at and learn how to make money. And I was like, well, I'm not going to go a little bit deeper here. Um, I like writing and I like having sex. So why not write about having sex yeah. and sex sells? So I just kind of, that, that was the avenue that I went. I went on to erotica. I went, so immediately I went to school and got in a creative writing class, and the teacher was like, write about whatever you want to write about. So I wrote this, again, all these other students were writing about something, whatever they were going through, but I wrote this really crazy erotica called Capture. And again, I was terrified to turn it into my classmates, terrified to turn it into my professor, but I was like, you know, he said right, and this is, I mean, this I can't come up with anything else. This is it. You stayed true to yourself. Yeah, so anyway, I wrote and wrote it, sent it in, and I had to sit there and be quiet while everyone read it and spoke about it, and everyone loved it. Yeah. Loved it. It's one of my top ones on my website. Like, and that was one of your first ones. Yeah, and actually, I, I published that through Amazon. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so one. You have capture. you have four on Amazon, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I have four uh, four short stories uh, published through Amazon right now. So I'm guessing capture is your proudest moment, or would you say your favorite? It's hard to say favorite with that word. But... Yeah. Well, again, capture it does has a sentimental value to it because that was like my first story that really broke me through to being like, this is what you really want to do, and this is what makes you happy. Happy doing. You wrote that in your early 20s, 20, 21 years old? Uh, well, I would say I wrote that when I was 23. So if they're just getting published past August, you put them out. What was that gap in between or why? Why did it start this past summer? It was like, okay, um, I'm going to do this. I can be honest with you. Yeah. Um, uh, Game of Thrones. Okay. That's what really made me uh, really follow this journey. I knew that I liked to write, but I didn't know that that was what I was meant to do until you know I was a huge Game of Thrones fan. Like I was like... Like, love me some Game of Thrones. And unfortunately, this whole last season, as a reader, <laughs> as a fan, as someone that's been waiting years for this show to come out, um, I was just, just so disheartened through the entire series, the whole last season. And especially the season finale, season series finale, just that I literally walked into my job and like, never been a day and like quit my job. Because I was like, I quit my job because I was like, the the fans, these people, they deserve something so much better than what they were just delivered, you know. And all these fans that have nowhere to go, they have nowhere to go. They're just lost because Game of Thrones is over. Like I, that's I want them to come to me (laughs) and give them something better. That's such a cool way to take like a negative thing, like people, because it was universally hated. I feel like everybody was bashing it. I never saw it, but obviously that's why I was kind of chuckling earlier. Everybody hated it, and your first instinct was screw this. I'm going to do it better than that. When most people, you know, that's. 
It's cool. Like, no, they deserve better. Yeah, I mean, you know what they say. If you want something done right, you got to do it. Do it yourself. Yeah, if you want something done right, do it yourself. I am also saw on your website, all the websites are readersdream.com. Yeah, readersdream.com. So check that out. Especially what I like about uh, short stories. I like to write short stories as well. I don't know if it's an ADD thing or not, ADHD. You know, you can get a point across in 2,000 words instead of maybe 40,000 words that you might get lost in if you're trying to, you know, you got to be descriptive or get the point across, but it's almost like cut to the meat of the bone. It's all like short stories, you know, to get to the point and you can still elicit emotion out of it. Plus, if you get enough short stories put together, you still got a novel anyway. Um, I also know where I was going. Um, oh, on your website, the book of the month and the writing class. Tell me a little about that. Like um, these, uh, the book of the month. Um, it's going to be a new thing that I'm coming up with. Uh, I want to promote local authors. Um, so the books will be from local to Houston, or actually, actually, because it's probably going to be universal. I would like to do it through my website because I have like a YouTube channel. I could really put that YouTube channel on my website, and honestly, just local authors to whoever is involved in this book club. It's like whoever's a local author to you, let's support them. Let's read their book together, and we'll go over it. Again, I'll have my YouTube video. We can go back and forth. Um, I think that would be really fun just for the book of the month club. But I saw for I have some writing classes that I really want to get started. The private tutoring classes. Um, I don't know if you know, but the average reading age of the American is eighth grade. Really? Average average reading age of an American is eighth grade. So we've got all these politicians and all these people getting up and saying all these big words that nobody knows what the heck they mean. And they're just supporting because they're big words. I think that they would think differently and choose differently if they knew exactly what was being said. Yeah. On the other side of that, um, a lot of people have like dyslexia or some kind of reading, um, um, issue issue or, yeah. that they um, anyway when they were learning to read or be educated they probably weren't taught the right way and then they, they just turned from it they're like I don't want to read anymore I don't want to write anymore and I would really like again I want a reading 101 you know tutoring personal like me and another adult say they want to learn how to read and they don't know how um, it's a real intimidating thing and it happens at a young age and maybe like in first or second grade you had to read out loud to class and if you stumble and then your peers are laughing at you you don't want to do it again. You get shy. So yeah, like you said, right off at a young age, you get it instilled, installed into your brain. Oh, I can't do this. I don't want to do it. It's not fun, but you're missing out a lot. Like my brother's, he doesn't really care to read, but I know if I can get him into a book past the first couple of chapters, he's going to knock it out in two days. Yeah. But it's just like, oh, I'm not a reader. Like, yeah, but you're missing out on a lot. It's like another avenue for imagination. Mm-hmm. It was really important. And it's cool that you want to do it almost one-on-one and with adults, mm-hmm. it takes that intimidation um, fell away, I guess, kind of can help them to relax take some of the pressure off. Yeah, because as an yeah. adult, you don't admit, oh, I can't read. Yeah. And if you're 45 years old or 30 years old as a grown-up and nobody knows you can't, you know, read an 800-page whatever, except for, like, clickbait headlines. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a cool thing you're doing. Um, what's your least favorite part of the writing process? Obviously, you could say, like, writer's block, but... To be honest with you, I don't really get much writer's block. Okay. To be honest, I'm not there. Ask me in five years. I want to meet up with you in five years, okay. and we'll talk about this writer's block because um, I'm not there yet. I feel like I, I can sit down... As, blessed right now just really sit down and get to what I really want and through my website I, I can do what I want I can have a thought and really go go off of that and just write 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 it's not like I'm forced to any kind of rules rules to write what I want to write um so uh but no the, honestly the most the hardest part of writing for me is the discipline in sitting down doing it like set a schedule sitting down it's no I, I write every day it's not the schedule right. I can write in the morning evening night but it's again um, I could be chilling hanging out or whatever and I'm like Kelsey you need to go write 
to get to get myself to get up and go ride. That's the hardest part. Discipline. Once I'm doing it, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving. It, I'm so proud that I'm doing it. And I'm happy. But it's literally getting myself up to do it. Yeah. It's that initial spot. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing like we were talking about earlier before we started recording. I like to run, and the worst part is the first five, like the last five minutes right before you start. It's like when you're stretching, like oh, I'm about to start, and it's gonna be terrible. And then you start cruising, and you're good to go. Same thing with riding. You just I feel like something that could help me out because when I say writer's block, it's always hard for me to get started, like to get the first sentence down. Once I get the first sentence down, it starts flowing. So sometimes you just have to, even if you have something planned out to write, I'll just write down something random just to get the fingers moving, you know, and then just see where the story goes. And you can always go back and edit it from there. Mm -hmm. You have any sort of sort of like rituals, like, I mean, just getting started, I guess, or discipline. But do you have anything like. Oh, you were telling me earlier, matter of fact, you this is interesting to me. You write it down handwritten before you type it up. Mm-hmm. That helps with the... Well, I um, I can't find any kind of inspiration looking at a laptop or any kind of screen. I, I write better um, when I, with, with a pencil and a piece of paper. And not only that, I feel like, you know, when they say you need to stretch before you run. Oh, yeah. Have you ever went running without stretching and then you're just like in so much pain? Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing with my writing. Like, if I haven't handwritten it first... That means I literally went straight into running, and it, it, my my work's a mess. Whatever I just put on the laptop, it's a hot mess. The mess needs to be in handwrite. Like you handwrite it first. There's your stretching, and then you literally transfer it to the computer, and then that literally just it changes. So it's like the rough draft to the to the main draft. It changes immensely through that. Same thing with um. I keep trying to relate it back to me, but like with recording the podcast, when I first started doing it, like with my intro and closing segments. I wouldn't even type up any kind of script. I would just there and press record, and then I wasn't planning anything out at all. And then I learned over time, like, no, you gotta type something out or write something out first, and then you can edit it and go from there instead of just diving in. Yeah. It's a weird balance. Up. To it. You don't want to dive into this like a swimming pool without anything. Right, no safety net. It's a weird balance though, because I mean, you hear from people and good advice is, oh, just keep putting content out, whether you don't think it's good or not, keep putting content out. But you also don't want to develop bad habits because then you're just gonna keep putting out bad content. So you have, like, say five years from now, uh, you're just going to keep publishing books every year or you just um, focus more on the website necessarily than putting book um, content my, out? My, my website is my gift to everybody. That is just something that I I will continuously do until forever. Every uh, every day, every couple of days, I'll post a couple hundred words just to give to the people. Um, but my overall goal for, like, the next five years, I want to publish at least five novels within the next five years and have like a reputable publisher behind me and have at least one of my novels being made into movie to okay. a movie. Like I want to create jobs for people. I want to like make dreams happen. And just like, like just like JK Rowling did, she created all these jobs for these kids and these adults. And like, it was, it was just, just fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it, it, you can inspire you. I think you really like the inspirational part of the process that goes back to that game of Thrones things. You want to help, you want to share it with other people. Yeah. So I know there's definitely people out there that want to write or keep their content to themselves and that's fine too, but it's also really endearing and cool when you want to share it with other people. Yeah. I don't know if it, it's weird. I was having this conversation too. It's almost like with charity, you give to charity or do good for other people. It can be a selfish thing too, though. You get like a good vibe from it, right? You're doing something good for other people, but you also feel better about it. Yeah, you feel good about yourself. It's, you know, your, your, your ego and your self-esteem. You're helping yourself as well as helping others. Yeah, and with that, with the website you have too, it's always just, it's always like your little passion project. So even though you start selling books off to movie scripts and stuff, you'll still always go back to this little website. website yes. uh, not a little website like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So these things you do the blog post every day, which is almost like a little sample, I guess. Is this stuff you've already just you've already had written? I'm assuming, or some of it every day. It's right. new every day. Every day. Okay. Every day is new. Yeah, I, I work on stuff on my, my side. Like I, I'm working on at my first. Uh, I'm starting on my first novel right now, and then I'm ten thousand words in. It's my first. About novel. a quarter of the way there, right? Isn't yeah. It, well, say 40, I want to get up to seventy. Okay. Seventy. So I want to get my first novel to be seventy, and then. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. But the the content I write on my a reader's dream uh, is every day. Okay. Every day. Brand new. Brand new, just off the top, or like ideas top. you had. Yeah, or something that inspired me while I was out doing something, or someone said something that just. Because usually a lot of my a lot of this is dialogue. I really like dialogue. I like conversations between people, like really deep, like get in like the fire of like conversations, not just like hi, how are you? It's a brand new day. Like I don't really like I don't talk. like surfing. I hate small talk. Yeah, I'm an introvert. And I hate small talk. It really just it really gets under my skin. Like if you want to talk, let's talk. Yes. Yeah anything else so saying you're introvert i meant to bring that up earlier you come from a big family do you think the big family kind of played in a role in you being introvert now because you grew up around people all the time or i mean that's a good question you know i'm the youngest of 16 and i'm, I'm was the littlest of everybody and i was hushed a lot you know when you're little and you're young the youngest of everybody they're like hush hush so i was hushed a lot and i think that Maybe because of that, you know, I, I'm a huge observer. Like, I love watching people, like, watching their mannerisms, like, how their facial expressions are, are moving and what they're saying. Like, is what they're saying equal to what their body language is saying? Because you, you don't understand how much your body language is, is saying versus what you are really saying. So, then, is what they say so is what they're right meaning. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, uh, you know, again, but I think being a writer, you know, again, I love dialogue. So, I really like to get into what, what's happening with mannerisms and yeah. everything. I bet you like psychology a lot also. Do you like the way the brain works? Yeah. Do you play poker at all? Uh, I do play um, craps. Oh, you do craps. So you I like to gamble. Craps. You I like the rush. Craps. It's the best. I love craps. It's very intense. You have to look into No Limit Hold'em. I mean, obviously you've heard of it. you got to play No Limit Hold'em because it's all psychology. It's closer to stock market than it is craps or blackjack. It's, you almost can say it's not gambling. It is, but a lot of myself say it's not gambling. It's almost just like trading stocks or something. But it's all about reading the person. If you're sitting at a table with nine people for two or three hours... Especially you, somebody that is into psychology and reading people and mannerisms, you're gonna pick up something on two or three of those guys, and you just take their money. Just yawn in front of them. Yeah, just yawn. Just yawn, oh. man. They go tired real quick. What I love to do, especially <laughs> if I'm at a new spot where nobody knows me, I'll go up to the cocktail, like it's a casino. Go to the cocktail waitress off to the side. If you just order an orange juice, it comes in like a pint glass. If you get a vodka orange juice, it's in a small little rocks glass. I find the cocktail waitress and say, "Hey, bring me orange juices only, but in little rocks glasses." And then you just hustle people. You sit there and pound three or four of those an hour and start betting out a turn, show a card, <laughs> talk too much, and they think you're a jackass. And then you sit back another hour or two and you're just slowly out of nowhere. You're not taking too many big pots, but you're just breaking off money off these guys. Yeah. And then two hours later, like, how the fuck? Beginner's luck. Da, da, da. Yeah. And then you get out and hope they don't beat your ass. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, you should learn poker. It's a hustle. And yeah. I struggled with early on with that, like late teen, early 20s. I felt bad taking people's money. Which is stupid, but my grandma was like, "Yeah, they're going to risk it. Somebody's going to take it. It might as well be you. Don't you have this ability to do something? Take advantage of it. I don't play enough cards. It makes me want to go play poker now. <laughs> but no, yeah, so I love psychology. I always, you know, so people are interesting. I don't necessarily like people. I like their brains. <laughs> you know, serial killers are fascinating to me. You know, I don't know why, but yeah, psychology thing. It's just seeing like the uh, seeing how the brain goes through these different methods and how it works through different situations. It's it's just interesting to see like people's gears turn. Yeah, the gears turn. Yeah. 
has a, it helps a lot with riding too. You ever just go sit at like the Galleria and people watch? No. Never really doing not into people watching necessarily like no, that. No, I well it's, again I am not I like to watch like who I am interacting with. It's more of like a one on one. Or even like, you know, people who you're working with. You just watch them interact. Like I like more of a personal not just people people, but personal people that I can read and learn to read. So. Oh hey, matter of fact, before you quit your day job, what was your day job? What, what have you been doing? Um, I, I've been a wait. I was a waitress for about fourteen years, and I was working downtown as in the a, industry. As a, yeah, so. that works out for creative type people, just because yeah. the hours, yeah, and the sure. quick cash, yeah, right. and the people you meet. No matter what, I always tell people, when you're like eighteen or nineteen years old, you should get college credit for it. If you're in college, go serve tables. Yeah. It'll teach you how to network, how to organize, how to read people. And you need that no matter what job you're doing. Trash man, nurse, doctor, politician, teacher, it doesn't matter. You gotta know how to read people and interact. It also gives you like humility. Like yeah. you know, turning into a jackass when you're like 36. Turning into like the people who come in and don't tip and all that. Yeah, it's just no, you know, like cocktail waitresses for nothing. Oh, yeah, for nothing. Just learn yeah. about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's good building blocks for sure. So um, uh, we got a readersdream.com. Do you have any other like websites or social media you want to plug? People can find you if they want to get in touch. Um, yeah, uh, my email address is a readersdream2019 at gmail.com. I also have my Amazon author page. That is. And I know if people go to your Facebook, they just search your name. Yeah, be, as well. yeah, Kelsey Harris Dyke. That'd be under my. Um, my, um, you do Twitter and Instagram too? I, my Instagram uh, is Kelsey Dyke. Yeah. Because I'm getting new to this, kind of new to the social media. I've never had a Twitter or Instagram, and I have one activated for this podcast, but I never use it. And that's, I don't like it. I want to hire an Instagram intern or something, or like some 18 year old kid. Be the intern. Just do my social media. I can't pay you. But well, I hear, I hear <laughs> nowadays the hot thing with the young people is TikTok. So you're going to need somebody to do your TikTok. For That's you. video, right? Yeah, it's essentially video. Like what Snapchat or yeah, Vines, yeah. but now they changed the name and it's TikTok. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. That's going to be one of my biggest weaknesses when I try to plug and promote this thing is you get like business cards. You have business cards? No. Or another for a website? Yeah, it's just word of mouth. and. Yeah, right now. Yeah, through my social media, through the website, and then yeah, word of mouth. That's what I do. I, I literally, and people tell me to get business cards. I take paper out at work and just hand write it out while I'm pitching the podcast or telling them what it's about. And I like that kind of like grassroots style to it. I don't know. And if somebody was telling me write it out, but then take a picture and use that picture for your business cards. So it still seems. But no, it's been fun talking and getting to know you. We're definitely gonna have you on again. Uh, do you have any books specifically coming out? Like besides your blogs, every day is there anything? Recent, and we're ten thousand words into a novel. So yeah, that next, that I want to have that uh, my novel done. Hopefully in the next couple months. Next so couple we'll be months. Look, looking out for that. And then yes. you got to ship that around to like publishers, shop it around. I that, guess that's it. That's the deal for a publisher. Yes. It's a lot of fun. We'll definitely keep in touch with you, and uh, I'll have you on again. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Thanks for making it to the closing segment here on Cake and Conversation. One of my favorite parts of the show so far has been my willingness to go and record anywhere and to make these episodes happen. I record the interviews live to tape, which means there's no retakes, there's no second chances, there's no safety nets, just raw, in the moment, unedited content. There's clearly some advantages and disadvantages to this way of doing things. But for the time being, my number one priority is to get content out each and every week to build myself an audio portfolio. 
I'm not flooded with money yet and I still have everyday life expenses to handle. But trust me, better quality sound is coming sooner rather than later. I'm definitely aware of it. I'm also super proud of the fact that I'm building this from scratch. I know I've said it a lot. I'm learning as I go and I'm not letting anything really get in the way. I'm having a lot of fun with this. There may be millions of podcasts out there and it's hard to get people to listen to yours. But I'm the only one doing it my way by my rules. And that's all that really matters to me. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Kelsey because I certainly enjoyed making it happen. She's a writer for the people and is very passionate about helping others overcome struggles with illiteracy. It's very important to her. She's very talented. I have no doubt that she'll finish her 70,000 word novel. That is insane. So far on Cake and Conversation, I've been really good at mixing up the guests and making sure everyone's been unique with their artistic ability. Ranging from local director to a shoe design artist, one of the important parts for me is to explore a wide variety of artists. However, because this is my show and I have the final say, I'm having another published author on next week. Jacoby Bearfield isn't a conventional writer by any means. You can ask him yourself, he hates, he hates to write. It blew my mind when he told me because there's an infinite amount of aspiring writers out there passionately trying to get their work published and a man who has a strong distaste for the craft is published. And that was the reason why I initially wanted to have him on the show, because he was an author. One of the reasons I love doing this show and meeting up with my guests is discovering where their story is going to go, because I always find twists and surprises along the way. I won't keep you all around any longer, and I'm super appreciative of everyone who listens to these all the way through. I think I'm going to start putting Easter eggs at the end of the episodes to reward the people that support me all the way until the end. Until next time, focus on sending out positive energy. Keep grinding. The rest will take care of itself. Y'all take care.